Well, hey, good morning, everybody. Happy Sunday to you. Welcome once again to the Edge Church. My name is Stephen Van Denen, one of the pastors here, and really glad that you could be with us today as we continue on in our sermon series that we're calling Active Discipleship. This is a, a series where we are breaking down what it means and what it looks like for us to walk and live as disciples, as followers of Jesus. And, 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 and each month we've been focusing uh, on a specific element of this thing called discipleship, and this month we're focusing on worship. And, and really the big picture is simply this, okay? It's that disciples of Jesus, worshipers of Jesus, are Christ-exalting, God-glorifying worshipers. And so we've talked about how, how worship then, over the next, last couple of weeks, just unpacking this, we, t- we talked about how worship really means worship. It means to ascribe worth to God and, and how there is no one and nothing who is more worthy than our Lord, right? We, we talked about how even that title Lord means ruler, it means king. And so, so our worship then really is a life that is submitted to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Worship looks like obedience. And, and, and then this past week, Pastor Neil talked about how worship is offering our whole selves, as Romans 12, 1 tells us, as a living sacrifice unto God. That worship is our offering to God. It's not for us. It is for him. It's a sacrifice, meaning that it costs us something. Or as Jesus said to us, that we deny ourselves, that we pick up our cross and we follow him. And so worship is the activity of, of glorifying God with our whole being offered to him, right, as the, the only true king of kings and lord of lords. Worship is our right response. Worship is our privilege. Worship is our honor. Worship is our obedience to God's commands, right? And the more that we get to know him, the better we're able to worship him. And so we're continuing to unpack this thing called worship and how we really do it and what it is that makes something truly worship. I'm going to guess that many of you today, probably like me, have have maybe said at some point in your life, or at least maybe have heard it said by somebody else, something like, worship today was awesome. Anybody said that or heard that before? The obvious question would be like, well, what made it awesome? Right? Like, like, I like awesome. Don't, don't you like awesome? Like, like, what was it that made worship awesome? How was it awesome? And, and answers to this often vary, but, but oftentimes you'll hear things like, well, the band, that band was just amazing, right? Or, or, or man, that, that singer was just really powerful, right? They had a powerful voice. Or, or man, I just love those songs. They just resonate with me. Or there was, there was just such a feel-good experience, right? It was awesome. Well, the question is, is that worship? Is that what it is? Right? Or, or maybe like me, you have uh, said or you've heard from somebody else something like, man, I just wasn't really into worship today. Or, or maybe more so somebody said like, worship today, I, worship was rough today. Worship was terrible. Right? And there's the same question. Like, well, what made worship terrible? Why, why was it so terrible. Oh, well, you know, musicians, they just, you know, were, were all over the place. That drummer was really loud, right? That the singer was just off key, right? Or, or I don't really like those songs. I didn't really know the song, so it was hard for me to connect, right? Or just, I just wasn't really feeling it. And it's like, well, is that not worship? What makes something worship, right? Like, like how do we 
worship. This morning, we have actually the privilege of hearing from Jesus himself, who weighs in on this topic of worship. And so I want to just pray for us. Then we're going to open God's word. We're going to see what Jesus has to say to us. So I want to invite you to pray. I I want to ask you to just invite the Lord into this moment. Ask God to speak to your heart. Let's pray. Father, we just come before you today in the name of your son, Jesus. God, with grateful hearts, Lord, grateful for who you are, grateful for, God, what you've done for, uh, Lord, what you're doing even now in our midst. And Lord, as we open up your word today, God, I just pray that you would teach us. Lord, speak to our hearts today. God, help us to grab hold of what it is that you want to say. God, help us to receive what it is, God, that you want us to know. And Lord, help us to, to live that out. So Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would speak to every heart. God, help us just to have ears to hear from you today. God, pray just against distractions. I pray against, Lord, any of the things that would keep us, Lord, from giving you our fullest attention. Lord, come and speak. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you have your Bible, open it up to John chapter 4. We're going to specifically be looking at verses 20 through 24 today. But, but to give you a little context, in this story, Jesus and his disciples are on their way from Judea to a, a town called Galilee. And, and to get there, they have to pass through this region known as Samaria. Uh, and, and in Samaria, they stop at this well to rest and to get a drink. And, and after a little bit of time, Jesus' disciples, they, they go off to a, a town. They go to a town to try to find food. And, and, and while Jesus is there, the Samaritan woman comes and approaches him and they begin to have this conversation. And during their conversation, the topic of worship comes up. And so here's how this goes. Starting in verse 20, the woman says to Jesus, she says, Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. So, so part of the controversy of that time in history was about where do we worship, right? Where, where does worship happen? And the Jews believed that worship happened in the temple in Jerusalem. And, and the Samaritans, they, they believed that that worship was to happen in, at a place called Mount Gerizim near Shechem, right? That was the proper place for worship. And, and, and maybe for you listening today, you think, well, that sounds pretty silly, right? Like that sounds like a silly debate or silly argument or silly controversy. But the reality is, is that we have our own controversies in the church today when it comes to worship, right? Like, like some will say that worship ought to just be hymns only. That's worship, right? Uh, others would say, no, 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 worship should be contemporary. It should be songs that, that, that are familiar for us today or speak to this day, right? Like the questions of like, should there even be instruments? And, and if so, what instruments should there be? So Some would say that there should only be a choir. Some would say maybe there should be an organ. Other people would say, no, there should be like a full band in order to worship, right? Should, should worship be quiet? Should it be reserved, right? Or, or, or should there be movement? Do we lift our hands or dance or, or shout, right? And, and what do we wear, right? Do we dress up and, and be more formal? Do we just dress casually and, and come however we want, right? Like all these different rules and, and, and restrictions and rituals and opinions that man has placed on worshiping God. So, so, so what is the correct way to worship, right? Like how do we do it? Jesus answers in verse 21. 
right? He says, Jesus declared, believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Jesus says to the woman, he says, listen, the, the real issue about worship is not about where, it is about how and it is about whom you worship. See, the Samaritans didn't really know God. Okay, like the Samaritans had actually rejected all of the Old Testament except for their version of the book of Moses. And then they, they kind of added some of their own pagan rituals to their worship practice. And so Jesus says, listen, you don't know the one you worship. You worship a God of your own making. See, it's possible for us to worship wrongly. It's possible to worship false gods and false saviors. Not everyone who uses the title of God is actually worshiping or coming to God. Jesus is saying, listen, there is only one true God, and it matters that he is the one you worship, and it matters how you worship him. So how do we do that? He tells us, verses 23 and 24, he says, yet a time is coming and has now come because Jesus is present. He says, when the true worshipers, that's who we want to be, will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. He says, God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. J Jesus says that there are true worshipers and there are therefore false worshipers. And, and true worshipers worship God in spirit and in truth. What does that mean? Right? What, what, what does that mean for us then? Well, for one, it means that God actually cares about how he's worshiped. Right? Like, like it actually matters to God. And, and we see this all throughout scriptures from, from the casting out of Adam and Eve in the garden because of their disobedience and rebellion to the, to the first commandment that God gives uh, in Exodus that, that we shall have no other gods before him, right? To his destruction that comes upon Israel for worshiping false idols and false gods, to his instruction and warning in the New Testament to the churches about how they were to be and how they were to come to the Lord's table, all the way to the assurance that no one and nothing that is impure will be in the holy city at the end, right? Like God cares how we approach him. Uh, additionally, the fact that there are true worshipers that the Father is seeking means that it ought to be a priority for us to be one. Like there are true worshipers. God is seeking those worshipers. That ought to be a priority for us then to be one of those worshipers. And Jesus tells us here, we're to worship God. More, more exact, Jesus says we must worship God in spirit and in truth, in spirit and in truth. I, I want to share with you this morning three things about in spirit and in truth that I, I hope helps give us a fuller understanding of what Jesus is getting at here. So, so first, Jesus says we must worship in spirit. What does in spirit mean? How do we worship God in spirit? So, so first, in spirit means via or by way of the Holy Spirit. Right. Worshiping God is a spirit-led activity. And so only by the Holy Spirit is one able to worship God. Jesus says in John 3, verse 6, he says, that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So if you are spiritually dead, meaning that you have not received Christ as Lord and Savior for your sin and salvation with him, then the deposit of the Holy Spirit within you, you are spiritually dead and unable to worship God. Worship is a spirit activity empowered by God, the Holy Spirit, not something that we can just produce on our 
own. So ultimately, it's not a person, it's not a worship leader, right, that directs you to God's presence. God is present and is the Holy Spirit that connects you, right, and the Holy Spirit who makes you aware of God's presence. Secondly, in spirit means in the realm of the Spirit. Right? This is beyond a physical place. Jesus tells us here that God is spirit to remind the woman that he's speaking to and really to us that God is not in any one place. That God is not just in a temple, that he's not just on this mountain that the Samaritans worshiped in. He's not in any particular church or gathering. He is spirit, so he is everywhere. And so we can and we ought to worship him whenever and wherever because he's not bound to any place. And the way by which we encounter the Lord and experience his very real presence is in spirit, right? See, the spiritual realm is more real than the physical one because it is the spiritual realm that created the physical one. And so it is in spirit that we worship the God who is spirit. Worship then just isn't like something you do when you go to church, right? It's something you do because you are the church. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And worship is our ministry to the Lord. Did you know that you're called not just to be a minister of the Lord, but a minister to the Lord? In First Peter 2 verse 9, it says that, that God is, we are God's chosen people, that we are his royal priesthood. In the Old Testament, the Levites were the priests who ministered both to the people and unto the Lord. But now through Jesus and in him, we are now the priests called to this work, right? To minister to the Lord, to one another, and to the world. Far too often we focus on the last two, which are absolutely important, right? But but we do so at the expense of the first one, of ministering to the Lord. And when we miss this one, we end up ill-equipped and empowered to minister to one another. And to the world. Worship is our ministry to the Lord with thanksgiving and praise for who He is, for what He's done, His works, His nature, His character, His presence. And we do this in spirit. Thirdly, in spirit means from your spirit. It means from within. And your, your whole being is engaged in this. It's not some passive thing that you that you watch or you observe. It is something that you do. It is active, right? Worship is what flows out of you from your spirit to God. And, and this isn't just about emotions or affections, but it, it certainly does include your emotions and your affections. Like, consider this, like, what does it reveal when our favorite song comes on and and we can sing loud and we can dance or when our favorite sports team is playing, right? And we can just give that our full attention. But when it comes to worshiping the God who made us, the God who saved us, the God who loves us, the God who sustains us, right, that we respond with disinterest. Like we we respond with boredom. We just sit or we stand lifelessly. We're busy like scrolling our phones and and checking social media and checking messages or sending texts or whatever. Jesus says that true worship is in spirit. It flows out from you to God. And And it's more than our affections, but it includes our affections, but it's our whole being, right? Like Pastor Neil preached last week. It's it's this being a living sacrifice unto God, your heart, mind, will, emotion, all of it being offered to God. It's not like just some feel-good sing-along, right? While we're simultaneously living this sinful, unrepentant life. That's not worship. That's just singing songs. Worship is our whole being offered to 
God. And in fact, notice here that Jesus doesn't say anything about singing or music at all. And this isn't to say that that we can't worship God with songs or with music. In fact, the scriptures tell us to sing to the Lord, but worship is more than music. Sometimes we make the mistake, I know I've been guilty of this, uh, of making it seems like worshiping equals singing, right? Or singing songs to God, singing songs about God, but that's just one of the ways that we worship God. But, but, but let me ask you this, that, that if the music goes, right, like the sound system doesn't work, if, if there's no microphones, if, if there's no one to sing, does worship stop? Is that the way that only we can worship God and worship can happen? Of course not, right? Because the heart of worship is exalting and glorifying God. Worship is about the object of our worship, not some particular preference regarding the tool we use to do it. And the God we sing about who is present with us should excite us more than the music excites us or bothers us. It's about him. It's about my response to him. It's about my heart for him. It's about my love for him. It's been said that love that stoops down to us is grace. A love that reaches up, love that rises up to God is worship. Let me ask you, do you worship God in spirit? When you sing, are you thinking about God? Are you loving God? Are you ministering to him and exalting him? Or are you just really like thinking about yourself and, and how you sound or how you look or how you like or dislike this particular song that's being sung, right? Does God get your focus? Does he get your attention? Does he get your affections? Or is your heart and your mind and your affections somewhere else? Is someone who, if someone who has never been to church right, like showed up, would they know and and understand that you're worshiping God simply by observing it? Those who worship God, Jesus says, must worship him in spirit, but not just in spirit, but also he says in truth. So so it's not like one or the other. It's not worshiping in spirit or worshiping in truth. Pick the one you like, right? No, Jesus is like true worshipers worship in spirit and in truth. It's both. It's with your heart and with your head. It's with your mind and your thoughts and with your affections, right? A true worshiper worships in spirit and truth. So what does in truth mean? Three things. First one is this. It means truthfully. In truth means truthfully. It, it means that your worship is sincere. It, it means that you actually mean it. It means that, that it's intentional. It, it's not just that you're going through the motions. It's not just that you're, you're paying God lip service. It's not fake. It's true. The, the, the Lord told the prophet Samuel at one point, he says that man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So, so we can put on a show for people, right? But we can't fool God. God knows our hearts and whether or not our worship is for him and to him and about him, or if it's really just about us and we're, we're trying to get from him, right? Or how we want others to see us. Worship doesn't start with our works. It begins in our hearts. Maybe you've heard this expression that the heart of the matter is a matter of the heart. This is the very thing Jesus speaks of in Matthew 15, verses 8 and 9, where he quotes the prophet Isaiah talking about the Pharisees at the time. But he says, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain, Jesus says. Their teachings are merely human rules. Jesus says, listen, just because you say 
the right things, just because you sing right the right songs or you do these particular religious activities does not mean that you are really worshiping and honoring God because if it isn't from the heart, then it's just religious activity and not worship. He says, actually, these people then worship me in vain. Meaning that it's empty, that it's not of any real substance. It has no real effect, right? So prayer without heart is vain. Songs without heart are vain. Confessions and creeds and sermons without heart are just empty and worthless words in God's eyes. We worship in truth. We must worship, Jesus says, in truth with a true and sincere heart. Secondly, in truth means in his word, or according to his word, right? To God's word, to the gospel. In Jesus' final words, his last prayer before he goes to the cross, in John chapter 17, he's, he's praying for his disciples. He's praying for us. And he prays to the Father and he says, Father, sanctify them by the truth. And he says, your word is truth. We don't worship God apart from the truth. We worship him in it. To worship God in truth means knowing and believing, trusting and professing God to be who he says he is. Not God as we want him to be, but God as he has revealed himself to us through his word. And as we and we worship him in truth with thanksgiving and praise, right, and honor and obedience, this means then that God's word is meant to be part of our worship. In fact, did you know that, that in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, worship is not primarily a musical experience? In actuality, it's primarily a time of hearing and considering and understanding and responding to God's word. So, so it's not like we worship while we sing and then we stop worshiping for the sermon and to open God's word. No, no. Worship includes God's word. It's according to God's word. It's in response to his word. God is present in his word. It's all worship. Hebrews 4 verse 12 tells us, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, it says. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow, for it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. God's word is not like a collection of dead religious letters. It's not like a, a newspaper today, right, where the words are good today and then need to be corrected tomorrow. It is living and that God is present in his word and through it. It's not simply like what God has spoken. It's what God is speaking today to us, over us, right? Still true, still applicable, forever unchanging. The, the word of God is alive because God is. Because God is present and, and God is still speaking, right? The word is active because, meaning that it's effectual, meaning that it's powerful to accomplish what God has set out for it to do. The word is cutting, it says, it's like sharp and, and penetrating because on one hand, it's actually a weapon for us against the lies and the works of the devil. And, and on the other, it penetrates to divide within us so that we're able to know and understand what is actually God. And what actually is not. What is, what is the Lord and what is the Spirit and what is the flesh so that we're able to walk in truth. And it says that his word judges our thoughts and attitudes not to condemn us but to correct us because not everything that we think or feel comes from God. So, so, so we don't worship apart from God's truth. We worship in truth, according to his truth and in response to his truth. Lastly, in truth means in Christ, right? Because he's the truth. 
And it is through him and only him that we have access to the Father to worship at all. Jesus says in John 14, 6, he says, listen, I'm the way and the truth and the life. I'm not a way. I'm not a truth. I'm not a life, right? He says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And no one, Jesus says, comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the center of Christian worship. In his book called Engaging with God, uh, author David Peterson writes, he says, the exalted Christ is now the place where God is to be acknowledged and honored. The Father cannot now be honored unless Jesus is given all the honor due him as the Son. This simply means you can't worship God apart from Jesus. Jesus is our access to the Father. And so, which is why we hear Jesus tell the Samaritan woman, he says, listen, the time is coming. And in fact, has now come. It's come because I'm here. It's, become, it's come because the word has been made flesh. Emmanuel, God with us, is present. And in him, we can now be true worshipers of the Father in spirit and in truth. So, so the question for you today is, are you a true worshiper? Do you worship God in spirit and in truth? Do you worship him? Do, do you worship trusting and believing that God is uh, who he says he is, that he'll do what he says he will do? Do you worship from a true heart, right? Like, do you actually believe the things that you sing? Is your worship genuine or do you just go through the motions? Is Jesus the center of your worship or is it something else? Je Jesus says that, listen, a true worshiper of God is one who worship, who must worship in spirit and in truth. Worship must have heart and, and worship must have head, right? Like it ought to engage our whole being, our thoughts and our affections. True worship is in spirit. It's from the spirit within and in truth, rooted in the truth of God's word of who he says he is. For this, Jesus says, is the kind of worship that the Father seeks. Is, is that you? Is that you? Is, is, is that us, church, right? That, that, that's my hope and my prayer for us, that we would be true worshipers of God who worship the Father in spirit and in truth. We're going to continue on in our, our time of worship, in this whole time of worship with a song. Um, and as we just get ready to go into this song, I want to invite you wherever you are right now just to close your eyes. Whether you're by yourself, you're in a whole room full of people, whatever it is, just, just go ahead and just close your eyes because I want to just invite you to take a moment to set your heart and your mind on the Lord. You know, Hebrews 12, 22, it tells us that, that as we worship, when we come, we worship in spirit and truth, that we join together, it says, with, with the host of angels and all the saints who have gone before us, who are gathered in the throne room of God, worshiping. That's what that's what's happening. But, it, but as we get ready to worship God with our, with our singing, to worship God with our song, I want to just give you a moment for you just to say, come Holy Spirit, Come, Holy Spirit, help me worship in spirit and in truth. Lord, help my thoughts and my affections be on you, Lord. Holy Spirit, lead me in that. God, let, let me worship you, Lord, with my heart today. Let me worship you 
God, with, with my mind today. Lord, because it's all about you. It's all for you, God. It's all to you. Just take a minute and just ask the Lord, Lord, lead me in this. And then consider, what, what, is it, what is the offering for you to bring to the Lord today? In this moment, what's the offering? Is it, is it your song? Is it, is it a prayer? Is it a confession? What is it that the Lord would have you bring, offer? How, how will you worship him right now in spirit and in truth? Say, come, Lord. Let's sing.